This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Welcome, everybody, again to another episode of the Tesla Owners Online Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page, and I'm joined by my friends, Eric Camacho and Ian Pavelko. Guys, how are you doing? Hello. Good evening, everyone. And Ian was on vacation last week, so just welcoming him back to the show. He was just telling us just before we started recording here how 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 it was different listening to the podcast in the car, not knowing yeah. what's going on as opposed to being I actually on the show. I so enjoyed that. Yeah, I'll just repeat that last little bit because for the first time ever, I was actually able to sit there like part of the audience and just listen to it, and it was it was awesome. I actually get now why people like the show because <laughs> when oh, I'm on great. it, I'm like. Why do they want to listen to this exactly? And then when you hear it as an audience member, it's a completely different experience. And and you guys did, did a great job. Like Bing Bing Bing, it was a, it was a fun show. It was Thank you. it was tight. It worked well. We had a good time. So mm-hmm. hope to do it again. We'll have some different guests. We'll mix it up a little bit as we go forth. Um, Am I being this fired? week? <laughs> no no no. Nobody's getting fired. nobody's getting fired. <laughs> That's right. We just I'm also not getting paid, so hard to get fired <laughs> and get paid for this. Ah, oh, welcome to my life. Um, listen, <laughs> I want to say thank you. <laughs> I want to say uh, thank you for everybody who submitted some questions. We'll get to those a little bit later in the show, but we have to get on board here because uh, Elon took to Twitter this week, and uh, man, did we ever have a tweet storm from him? So we have lots of stuff to talk about. The first thing we want to get into here is, um, well. This is kind of a continuation of what happened last week because Tesla took one of their new Model S's, what they call the Plaid powertrain, we talked about this last week, uh, to the Nürburgring, and I have to apologize because I think I might have said Nuremberg. You said uh, it like last six time. times I was cringing in the car. I, yes, and I want to apologize. I've always got those two uh, mixed up, and so I'm sorry if I said that incorrectly. You're not I the only one, Apparently, Jesse uh, from uh, Now You Know got it wrong as well. Oh, it's, it's, okay. it's a common mistake. Don't, don't okay. think about it. Okay. I, I wasn't right. going to correct him because we know every show, one of us is going to make a mistake, and I'm like, I'm just glad it wasn't me. Well, remember, Trevor's wrong, right? So <laughs> There we um, go. Yeah. So, uh, officially... Well, let's let's get into this. Uh, the first thing is uh, Elon sent out a tweet and said, um, responding to a Tesla Roddy article here, uh, he says that um, the Model S prototype <clears throat> on the Nurburgring reportedly destroys the Porsche Taycan uh, lap record by about 20 seconds. Now, the article went on to say that uh, it was not official numbers because somebody was doing a stopwatch thing, so it was a kind of an observational thing. So Elon basically responded and said, it's a start. We expect these track times to be beaten by the actual production seven-seat uh, Model S Plaid variant that goes into production around October or November of next year. So again, he's uh, giving us a bit of a time frame that they talked about. Last week we mentioned that it was a bit unusual for him to actually talk about unannounced products, but now we actually have a bit of a timeline. In addition to that, uh, he had another tweet that said the Model X and the Roadster will come later. They expect learnings will improve the Roadster drivetrain before production. So again, a lot of the stuff that they're doing for the Plaid powertrains has been pulled directly for, uh, from the Roadster. Um, let's see here. Officially, uh, Tesla said on Twitter 
they said that data from our track tests indicate that the Model S Plaid can achieve 7 minutes 20 seconds at the Nürburgring track. With some improvements, they hope to shave 15 seconds, maybe 7.05, maybe possible when the Model S returns next month. So they're going back. This is not a one-time thing. They're going to go back and do some more improvements. Um, well, and, and there's a supercharger there. Yes, and, that, and uh, yes, I failed to say that here, but talk about trolling, <laughs> setting up a temporary <laughs> supercharger right there on the track. That's just really got to get Porsche's goat if the guys are down there. Um, yeah. Someone also took to Twitter and asked Elon specifically about the seven-seat variant because we haven't seen it for a while because it was discontinued. Mm -hmm. um, he said, no, the original five forward-facing seats, uh, five, five forward seats plus two rear-facing smaller seats, the new rear seats will accommodate larger passengers than before. What does he mean by lodger? I don't know, but uh, certainly won't be kid seats this time. So well, I believe I was, was going to say there was a he had a response to someone else's tweet where he had said that he and the boys and some others had gone on the trip in a Model S with that new configuration and they fit just fine. So larger. Oh, actually, actually, I think he was referring to a road trip that he did with the boys in the previous car, in okay. the previous iteration. Okay. I think that's what okay. that is. Now, if I was a betting man. Because this is so far in the future, it may coincide with a slight redesign. Listen, we everybody's been going on about a possible redesign, update, refresh, whatever the hell you want to call I it on heard. this car. <laughs> um, if they are going to be making larger seats, because I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever sat in the two rear-facing seats of a Model S before? Oh, yeah, one time. It's tiny. It's for kids. Oh. Yeah. So if they're yeah. putting bigger seats back there, where are they putting them? Not going to happen. I'm sorry. Not my opinion, anyways. So there's something going on there. They, they, they're going to have to redesign something. It could be, just my postulation here with zero information whatsoever, uh, if the front dash is has a smaller footprint because there's going to be elements of the Model 3 design in there, you're able to sort of move it forward. Therefore, mm -hmm. you move the front part forward, and that actually gives you more room in the back at the end of the day. Exactly. So take that as you will, but uh, there are other things coming down the pike. Tesla is not sitting down. I mean, listen, the Model S is seven years old. It's about high time they start doing something. So anyways, we have a timeline sometime next year, about a year from now. Um, Elon time. Yeah, Elon time, of course, yes. Uh, let's see here. Another tweet. God, we got so many tweets to cover here because there's some juicy tidbits when Elon gets on Twitter once in a while. Anyways, uh, someone took to Twitter and had asked about the performance Model 3 um, said, uh, actually, it was Rom from Elon Accessories. Here's the tweet here. He says, very close to a fraction of the cost. I'll take a Model 3, please. He says, actually, Model 3 would beat the Taken on the Nürburgring over multiple laps as it has more range. And someone uh, responded underneath. He says, do you think you'll be able to squeeze out more performance via an over-the-air update? Or is that pretty much maxed out? Of course, this is something that our good friend Jay has been pestering Elon for for months about an unlock of course yes, Ian you would agree yeah. as well sure. and Elon just said a very cryptic tweet he says you never know so yeah well that's an interesting follow-up the origins of this if you guys remember when the car was first announced uh, somebody asked him straight up is it will there be a ludicrous mode and he said of course yeah. So we've all been waiting ever since. And I mean, there's no sign of it. There's no sign of it. There's no sign of it. Uh, my feeling was this is a matter of they've got to get enough reliability data uh, behind them before they start uncorking things. And of course, then we got, you know, the 5% power increase back in the spring um, across the board. 
but there's there's still more to this car you know and i like a lot of other owners i have a funny feeling it's to do with the launch i still feel the launch is soft it, um, it is i would agree with you the launch on the on the performance yep. model 3 is softer than the ludicrous model s yep. exactly so maybe there's something to be squeaked out of there i don't know we'll see that's that's what i'm hoping okay well, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. If there's any developments, of course, we'll uh, we'll report on it. Uh, let's see here. One more tweet. I was actually quite fortunate to get a couple of replies from Elon this week. Not tweeting my own horn or anything, but I think it's kind of important. Um, there was some discussion, of course. Um, there's a uh, Twitter account that I follow. It's quite hilarious. Named Steve Jobs Ghosts. He pretends to be uh, Steve Jobs reincarnate, which is quite hilarious. Anyways. Um, I tweeted uh, to try and make this happen about more autopilot tutorials available in the car. Elon responded, absolutely. Bonnie Norman, our good friend, responded mm-hmm. underneath that. Um, she was asking about trying to make the videos more available through the Tesla account. So once reserved, people can start watching before picking up a new car. It's less time required for education at the delivery, engaging new owners while waiting, earn some free supercharging for you know video completed successfully. Anyways, Elon says, we're, uh, they're available through the app, but we need to make them easier easier to find. Now, I would agree with that. Um, if you've ordered a car and you log into your Tesla page, um, the, the tutorials do show down at the bottom. If you log into your Tesla app and your account, your car is not attached to your account, there's a button at the bottom to look at the tutorials. But if you placed an order and you don't have any of that stuff at this point, um, they, they really should make them a little bit more on there. And, and, you know, I know some people will say, well, go to YouTube. There's lots of videos on there. And I'm guilty of saying that too, because mm-hmm. I have my own tutorials. Um, but the thing is, is most people don't, don't think about go to YouTube to look for proper tutorials, even though Tesla's posted their own as well. So I think, yeah, I would agree with this. Uh, it needs to be more front and center for people. Um, you know, we're at the end of a quarter right now. Um, I was just talking to some Tesla people today. It, it's nuts. I mean, every time the end of a quarter comes around, they're just, they're pushed through their limits. There's just not a time to deliver the cars properly, give people turnarounds and tutorials. It's not like the bat, you know, the old days of Model S and Model X before the Model 3 came. They were able to spend ah, an hour or two with people. It's no big deal. Now it's just basically, here's your keys. Give us our check. Bye. See ya. So there needs to be some more hand-holding um, with this process um, uh, through digital media. It, makes, it just makes sense. So, yeah, hoping that happens. I think, uh, I think this, if there's one thing here that I want to take from this, and we've, we've sort of dove into delivery issues in the past on the show, um, is that there are a lot of different ways that new owners or prospective owners can do their own research on um, looking at this i know there's tesla.com's got content there you just mentioned youtube is another resource um existing owners uh ergo people like us that are also valuable resources but i also think there should be two things that would like to see tesla introduce one is maybe offering like apple has their in-store courses that you can take essentially for um you know if you want to learn to do video stuff music uh you know your iphone whatever it is uh tesla could offer courses like that that are sort of done in the morning or you know sometimes seminar type things yeah right just just more of like casual groupings people can come in and get some basic tutorials because even if you're looking at the market of always still expanding with model y coming online next year um and with other vehicles just always being delivered every quarter why not actually give people the opportunity to just learn more about it aside from just coming in? Because even now with test drive sort of taken off the available tablet uh, so that they can't really do that anymore. Why not actually make it in some way where people can go, well, you know, I have a question about this. It's just easier to do that than trying to seek it on a forum or listen to a show like ours or anything else. So th- that would be something I'd like to see them do. The second thing is um, 
I would recommend people, if you listen to the show, if you're not an owner yet and you're looking to get more about it, there are probably where you live or somewhere close to where you live, a lot of official Tesla owner groups. Reach out to them, find out um, where their online presence is. It's not hard to find it just by a simple social media search. Um, reach out to the members. And if you just say, listen, I'm just curious about this. I have some questions. Who wants to show me? To me, hands-on learning for a lot of people is the best way to understand how these cars are. Um, you want to understand autopilot better because you've heard some things in the news. You're just kind of curious. Uh, you want to know how to actually drive the car, how to set your profiles. I mean, look, Trevor put out a series of great, great little videos that were like about 60 seconds or less on some simple things. But there are a lot of owners who understand some of that stuff. But based on the questions even when we get on the show, there are some that are very intricate, high-level thinking people that go, yeah, I kind of got the basics, but I want to know more about this specific thing. How do I make sure my computer does this? We get all the time asked, like the difference in your autopilot, which brakes are being used when the car decelerates. So those are two things I think would help people. So it'd be great if they had some kind of a, a again, a workshop of sorts in their stores. That's a great way to get people also just in your showrooms, but then also reach out to um, owner groups across the world and see how they can also help sort of fill in that gap. So two things I want to mention because you brought it up. Um, if you go to our forum, Tesla Owners Online, scroll all the way down to the bottom on the front page, there is a section called Links. And in there, I actually have a link to the Tesla webpage that actually has a list of all the official recognized Tesla owner groups everywhere in the world. Tesla doesn't make it linked anywhere on their site, so you kind of have to do a Google search, but I've linked to it. So if you want to join or find out about a group or um, uh, an owner's club, an officially sanctioned owner's club near you, just follow that link. The second thing I want to mention is that um, if you scroll to the top of the Tesla Owners Online page, we have a section there called Site Announcements. In there, I put a thread in there for owners to assist people that are close to you. So if you're looking for an actual owner, not not Tesla here, I'm talking about, you know, you want to hook up with somebody, let's say you live in Florida, you want to talk to, you know, Eric or Michael Bodner or Raphael, uh, any one of those guys, um, you can actually hit them up because we got a little map and stuff. Um, so check that out. Um, I don't mention it enough, but um, it, it's certainly a, a resource that we have available out there. Uh, for people, because Eric's absolutely true. You've got to get behind the wheel of these things. It makes more sense when you have tactile feedback um, uh, to experience the cars. So, And, th and that'll make the delivery experience so much smoother because then the person's going to feel so comfortable when they finally get their car. They're oh, going to yeah, drive absolutely. away knowing, you know what, I got this. The excitement just now builds and builds and builds without sort of that barrier of the frustration of how to do something and sort of, you know, driving away and going, I got this, but now I don't know what to do. That that should fill that gap, I think, uh, pretty yeah. well. I would hope. Can so. I add one last suggestion to that? Please do. The way I did it was, I think I I don't think I could have topped it. I was so pleased at how that turned out. Uh, when I traveled to visit the factory the month before I picked my car up, I rented a Model Three on Turo mm. for the week. That's a good and idea oh too. my God, did that ever reduce the anxiety? Because it's, it's you know, for a guy who's used to old steam gauge cars for the last 35 <laughs> years, yeah. it's not that I was freaked out about the transition, but yeah, there's a lot of different technology they sort of have to get used to. So to have the car for a couple of days and just take little day trips and then go here and there um, made getting into mine so much better because it's like, yeah, nothing, it was there was no weird transitional periods. Like I know where everything is. 
bing, 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 bing. I could drive it out of the showroom and instantly enjoy it. Mm. So even if you do that, I think even just for a day, I mean, you know, if you took one out for a Saturday or something, you know, like spend the the 150 or 200 bucks or something and rent yourself one. In a lot of major cities now, it's really easy to find a Model oh, yeah. 3 on uh, Turo.com. And, you know, enjoy the car for the day. And, and first of all, it'll really reinforce that, yeah, you're doing the right thing. It's an incredible car. And it gives you that time to goof around with all the switch gear and the screens and switch gear. See, there you go. This is, there this is, is you're listening to a, there is some switch. Yeah, the right. The hazard switch. That's about the only one I can think of. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean? Like you can really sort of get a feel for the car. And then when the day comes, when yours gets delivered, you're just so much more yeah, chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if there's any new listeners that are just joining in with the podcast for the first time or watching the YouTube channel, listen, when you drive one of these cars and you own it, it changes you forever because it ruins you completely for other cars. Yes. Like you'll get into a gas car afterwards and, or any other car and you'll be like, why isn't it any of a car like a Model 3? What the hell's yeah. going on? I'll even ride in the hybrid and I'm like, no, this is this is just not the same. It's not even and the same thing at all. It sounds so snobby. Like I listened to a say uh, yeah, this, that's, and I got, that's the only down part of it, the whole thing. But it's true. It destroys you for anything else. Yeah. You know, like uh, getting in the Volt isn't too bad because at least it's a relatively peppy electric drivetrain. But you still have that space shuttle dashboard. You know, it's kind of like I forget where the buttons are. At you know, least like, now we have cars since September first that do make noise when you're driving at speeds that are like parking lot speeds. Mm, I haven't, that, I haven't seen one of those going, yet. You got that going for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, sh- I was down at Tesla today talking to the guys. I should have uh, I should have hung around a little bit and just see if there was any cars in the parking lot that had. What that, are you so. doing with your life, Trevor? Seriously, can you focus for one? Obviously, obviously, my ADD is kicking in and I'm not thinking clearly. <laughs> are you already focused on retirement? Can you actually do your job for one? <sighs> no, 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 no. All right, moving along. We got some more tweets to cover. Maybe a couple more here. Um, <laughs> let's see here. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, someone named Jason on Twitter, he tagged Elon and says, can we please have the AC air direction control tied to driver profile? My wife moves it every time she gets in and takes a bunch of time to get it just right. Elon responded and said, yes. And I think someone else, um, actually it was our good friend Vincent. Uh, let me bring up the tweet here. Let me just scroll down a little bit here so you can see it here. Vincent said, uh, will be even better to have auto circulation mode. Direction of the wind will keep circulating instead of just one direction. So mm-hmm. kind of like an oscillating fan. So um, I didn't see Elon respond to that, but that's a great idea. Why not? Someone brought that up earlier, though. I saw that conversation go by on Twitter with Elon, I, I want to mm-hmm. say a couple of weeks ago. And it seemed to me he was like, he was in on it. It's like, yeah, good idea. I, I, that did get a response out of him, I'm pretty sure. Cool. Well, the more the merrier. That's that's what's the nice thing. I mean, this is the great thing, right? You can just, if you catch Elon just the right time and you yeah. have the right kind of idea, yeah. magic can happen. But it's, I it's will funny. say this, though. how The reason that this can be done is because it's software, software, software. software. You buy any other car that's not electric, once it leaves the lot, and even then with most EVs, too, because unless they have over-the-air updates, you get the car, that's it. Whatever the car it will forever be what it was. I mean, they're going to fix the the aroma that comes out from the AC <laughs> vent through software updates. Like my like today, we're recording this on Thursday, September 19th. iOS 13 came out today. My phone is the same phone I had this morning, but now there's new software on it. My car got an update yesterday. You know what I mean? Like there's and there's new stuff in it today. So it's it's just that it's just a constant thing that's always happening. It's like, man. So when when Elon's on Twitter and people are like, hey, I have this idea for something. Oh, he's actually awake. Okay, let me actually type to him. And Elon responds basically with like a yes or we'll do or whatever it is. It's like, 
that can only happen because this car can do OTA updates. That's it. That's the only reason why. And it, it's just, it's a constant, constant package it's, of stuff. It's, it's like great. Christmas every week, practically. Yes. Yep. Right. And how many people do we see in our social media feeds that take screenshots of their phone with an update or the or through the app or shows the cars updating and we're always like guilty. Hey. Right. A lot of us do that. I, I, well, I should say I, 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 I go screaming that. into the garage the second it finishes. It's like Bridge knows exactly oh update, huh? I wait, until, right. wait until V10, wait until <laughs> V10 comes out. Yeah. No, well, no, v I know. Well, we'll talk about V10 a little bit later, but V10 is actually in beta right now for the people that are in the early access program. Um, the early access program is not the same thing as the early access program. There's two access programs. One of them is under NDA. Thou shalt not talk about the early access program. And then the other one is the one that people that bought FSD, you get, you know, sort of not early. the feature complete version of it. Now, so there, was a, there was a slight condescension there. Yeah. I, I bought FSD. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to put everything in air quotes because there's so much confusion out there. I thought EAP was enhanced autopilot. Not anymore. All right. Taking back to Twitter, Elon, uh, more stuff. <laughs> um, someone was asking about enhanced summon or smart summon or whatever the heck you want it. The one that you can control your car from the uh, parking lot or uh, from your app. Um, there was some confusion, of course. Uh, someone was asking, does this mean we won't get enhanced summon with 2.5 hardware asking for a friend? We know what that means. Elon said, no. Smart summon, as he puts it in quotes, will work with all 2.0 hardware in wide release. Now, you have to take that, kind of parse it a little bit. Wide release means when it actually is available to everybody. Doesn't mean it's necessarily available for people that are in the early access program now. So 2.0 hardware, the way you can tell, well, you can't really tell because all the cars have eight cameras now. Um, hardware one was the mobilized system, so it didn't have the eight cameras. Um, hardware two cars have the blinkers on the side with the cameras, the one, the B pillars, of course, three forward facing cameras. You can't really tell with those cars because the autopilot computer is in the dash and short of taking your dash apart, you can't really see the part numbers. Anyways, the bottom line is that if a car has the eight cameras on board, you will get it. Um, Again, the breakdown as to who gets it is tied to, again, what version of autopilot, what FSD you have, right? So we're not going to go down that rabbit hole again. But anyways, just clarifying. Again, then there was some activity in the tweet storm <laughs> underneath. Like, is it smart summon? Is it enhanced summon? Like, what is it? I think it's potato, potato. It doesn't really matter. I just call it the one that you can summon your car from anywhere in the parking lot. So whatever you want to call it, that's the feature. Ha. <sighs> All right. Come get moving me on. Pardon? Come get me summon. <laughs> Come get me summon. Yeah, okay, that's that works. That works. Um, our friend, our friend Vincent, and I don't have the tweet in front of me here. I'm just going to show you a couple of pictures. Uh, there were a couple of leaked pictures that popped up on the internet showing some activity at the Gigafactory Three in China. Namely, haha, some body in white Model Threes. A um, couple of them on a production line, a couple of them in the back, a couple of pictures. Uh, from a three-quarter view. Anyways. Um, car car it, bodies, not human bodies. Just for those of you that car can't bodies. Body, body in white is how we refer to cars before they are painted. Raw metal. Okay. So here's a couple of pictures. I'll just bring up the other one. I know you guys can't see them, but our viewers. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to see these pictures, uh, please <laughs> hop onto our YouTube channel and watch it after the fact. And subscribe. Um, I apologize. It's just the way the nature is. But we will describe them for you as best we can. Anyways. So the bottom line, um, I don't want to read too much into this. Uh, again, Tesla always starts pilot production and low volume numbers just to text, you know, there, there was, 
there's some confusion on the internet. Some people seem to think that the body panels were actually stamped in China, um, you know, in the stamping facility and actually produced on the line. I was not able to get any information as, as far as that. I actually asked Vincent himself and he, he didn't really know. He said he was about maybe 90% sure. But, uh, by the way, the pictures came from Weibo, which is the social media network that's in China. Um, I'll put a link in the video and the podcast description. You can check it out. If you can read Chinese, great. If not, well, you've got some pictures to look at. But uh, the cars are, are starting. So when they, when they put these cars on the line, it doesn't necessarily actually physically making cars to be sold to people. These are just validation uh, pilot mm-hmm. cars, if you will. So anyways, things are moving along. The factory did get its final um, authority for, or whatever they call it, validation. So the stamp of approval. Um, they seem to be starting a second phase at the Gigafactory as well. We don't know exactly what's going to be happening in there. But anyways, things are moving along. I would suspect we'll probably see production starting probably in two to three months if things go well. Um, but deliveries, <clears throat> excuse me, deliveries, I don't I don't expect deliveries really to happen until probably early spring on this, uh, barring any problems, of course. So we don't really know, but I'm sure we'll find out more as, uh, as things come alive. I mean, when, when things are official, Tesla will say it. Until then, uh, we get leaks. So it's moving along. I like it. Uh, let's see here. Well, we got some, uh, other information here. There's an article here and, uh, this comes courtesy of your friends at, uh, Inside EVs. I'll just bring it up. Ta-da! Daimler. Here's the lead. It says Daimler ends the gas, en- uh, ends gas, devel- uh, gas engine development. My goodness. This is a new show title for us tonight. Anyways, um, they will do full focus on electric cars. Now you can read this. Basically, they're saying that uh, Daimler is bringing the latest generation of internal combustion engines to market in various models, such as new inline six-cylinder engine for the E and S class, as well as the SUVs. This generation could also be the last. Now, I have to say the word. The emphasis is on could because the guys at Daimler have been flip-flopping lately. Um, you know, they've been talking a little bit about, you know, diesel still has life in it. No, we don't. I mean, they're all over the map. So take it with a grain of salt. But it looks like the Germans, at least uh, at Daimler, are paying attention. We know Volkswagen is. BMW, lost in the woods, those poor folks. Um, they've I, basically... I, 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 Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I put a lot of weight on this one, though, Trevor, because this comes straight from um, their chief of development, Mark, uh, Marcus Schaefer. And I, for him to go and make that statement publicly to a fairly large you know, German automotive outlet... That would not be something he would mince words on. I got to think that's they're semi-serious. I mean, the way you're exactly right. And when you said the way he worded it is, you know, take it with a grain of salt type of thing. He said has no current plans for future gasoline engines. And however, that could could change. change. So he's leaving himself an out. But I think just to state that publicly is uh, is kind of big, you know, and they did follow it up and say um, that the focus right now is on electric drive. So. I'm also of the mindset because General Motors, the head of GM, uh, I think it was a story the last 24 hours, sort of said the same thing. General Motors has their own issues with the the worker strike, and, and I hope the workers uh, get what they're asking for. Um, but I think when when you look at General Motors, now Daimler, and there's other, you know, we've seen, we're seeing Jaguar and, and Porsche, get, uh, their EVs on the road now, or at least in, in, in production uh, mindsets. This, in a lot of respects, to me, is partially tied into the Paris Accords. So when you have when you have all these countries signing on, over 100 nations in the world saying we're, we're going to be part of this uh, agreement to, to curb uh, carbon emissions, and we, we constantly see these reports come out about sort of where we're trending so far and what the timeline's looking like, 
And you're seeing even some areas like California uh, as a state on its own government saying we're going to sort of make things more stringent there uh, than what the national program is here in the U.S. Um, it's good to see that the auto industry is tying is I'm sorry, is trying to do their part to tie it all together. Because if they realize that there's going to be a stranglehold in how many uh, non-electric cars are going to be able to be produced and sold, and they know that that clock is sort of ticking down to zero uh, in in short order, they have to start making this transition at some point. Now, whether it's on uh, availability of cobalt, the battery technology, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's all stuff that can be all figured out uh, during the course of their production runs. But for right now, they have to start being serious about making that transition because if they do not do it, one of three things are going to happen. One, we're going to be in serious trouble with climate change. Two, you might see a lot of people en masse going, we're going to literally ban anyone from buying your car. We're not even going to bother looking at you as a manufacturer. Or number three, they get on this, they become part of it. And like Tesla, they start leading a revolution to electrify our transportation grid. So it, it's a huge, huge thing. And I and I and every time a story this comes out, I actually do not take it lightly. I think it's a really big deal. Um, you know, what they do along the way, whatever missteps they make, we'll kind of address them at the time. But just to admittedly say, especially when these are like high-level executives in these companies saying this is what we're planning on doing. And again, timelines are some loosey-goosey, which is okay, but I'd rather them say we're going all in on EV development. First is going diesel, diesel, diesel. I mean, you can't, you can't have that anymore. So good for them. I think it's also important to remember that um, the German auto industry is quite large. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, people want an EV. Their choices are basically you're going to go to the competitor and that's Tesla. And that hurts the pocketbook. So they got to get on with this. Um, I will say, you know, it looks like um, BMW is finally semi-officially announced that the i3 and the i8 are essentially end of life. Those are not going to be further developed. They're not going to be mm -hmm. any more variants of those cars. Instead, they want to focus on electrifying the existing fleet of cars that they have. Now, like anybody else, I would suspect they would probably start at the high end of the market, 7 Series, 8 Series, and kind of work their way down. Um, unless they can pull something off like the new uh, uh, the ID3 from, from Volkswagen. And maybe have something that's a little more affordable. I don't know. We don't know what their plans are at this point. But uh, anyways, uh, I don't know how much is coming that from the government. I know that the Chancellor Angela Merkel has been pushing the German manufacturers for many years now to, to get off their butts and do something. But largely, mm -hmm. uh, they haven't gotten a lot of traction. I, I do think Volkswagen, for all of their problems and issues and <laughs> lack of transparency, um, they're the ones that I, I feel that are pushing the hardest out of all the German companies. Speaking of which, there was news that broke and, today. And when I say Volkswagen, I'm talking about yeah. Volkswagen Group as a whole. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you've got one product from Audi already. You've got the Taken, And we at least have the ID3 coming. So those are all part of the Volkswagen Group. So, sorry, Ian. Please continue. Yeah, no. And I just wanted to say that I, I know a lot of us who are, are rooting for Volkswagen to succeed. I mean, no matter how bad their past sins, you've got to understand that we need more people making EVs and like they cannot be made fast enough. So I really wanted to get VW on board. For a while, it was not clear at all when talking to anybody in VW Canada, when we would see the ID3, the ID4, any of the ID vehicles, they were kind of like, well, we're really not sure. Um, even though they'd been shown on the site, it, it was just vaporware. And well, just they basically today, said I they weren't bringing it to the North American yeah. market at first because in the US... Right. They're not they're not hot on hatches. Yeah. That's just not their thing, Correct. right? They're popular here in Canada and yeah. in Europe, but not the U.S. And I think 
they're probably rolling us in saying, well, Canada's too small a market to even bother. So, but that changed as of today. Volkswagen yes. Canada came out publicly today and stated that uh, they are now seriously looking at uh, the ID3 and ID4 by the end of next year. So, I think they would do well here if they bring oh, them. There's no question they would. I mean, you know, look at the number of e golfs around here. We can't get enough of them. Like they're, they're ordered. Well, just you know, golfs in general. Money. I mean, Canada's in exactly. love with golfs. We have well, a lot that's, of golfs. That's a, weird, that's a weird dichotomy with vehicle sales here in the U.S. I mean, when Ford announced uh, last year, or early this year, I should say, uh, that they're basically terminating all production and sales of sedans, save for the Mustang, and then really focusing on just their, their, their trucks and their SUVs and so forth. The American market, ever since the SUVs were introduced in the 90s, have been like buying all in on the bigger, the better. We want massive trucks. And my thing is, okay, great. Um, how many miles per gallon do I get? Oh, six feet per gallon. That's great. Um, so it, it's weird. Like you look at most other countries, even especially in Europe, the smaller the car, the better. There's a reason why like cars like the Honda Fit, when they first were introduced here in the US, were huge drivers of sales for Honda because the people were clamoring for a versatile car, a lot of cargo room, versatility, the whole entire thing. And as a former owner of one, I was like, it was a great car, fuel efficient, easy to maintain, low cost to have it. It was just wonderful. Um, and I, and my car could probably fit in half of the SUVs in this country. So it, it, it is strange. But the problem too, is that that also makes companies have to go, well, if we're going to go in the EV market, how do we then target that eventually? And that's where we're going to get into the story coming up in a bit where um, Rivian sort of is going to fill in that gap, hopefully with their vehicles and with the Tesla truck coming in uh, pretty soon. But we can't get these massive gas guzzling, exhaust fuming vehicles off the road any faster. And America just is like, we want more of them. I'm like, no. So it history, is- history has a tendency to repeat itself. Now, some of our listeners might be too young. Uh, I mean, there was something called the gas crisis of 73 going into 74 oh, yeah. in the U.S. Um, you know, big cars and fuel went through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, cheap by today's standards, but whatever. Um, and people's, people's buying habits changed overnight. All of a sudden, Honda came in and they were selling yeah. cars like crazy. Volkswagen mm-hmm. came in. Um, Toyota, what, Nissan, that's, that, was, that was the death knell for Detroit. That's when they finally lost the majority of sales exactly. in North America. And we saw the same thing during the financial crisis of 2008. I mean, mm-hmm. GM went bankrupt because they weren't offering something that people wanted right then and there. They were pushing the Hummers and stuff. I mean, it's all in the documentary. If you haven't seen it, they're Revenge of the Electric Car. Um, so I think we're kind of seeing the same thing. As long as fuel still remains relatively inexpensive in the U.S., you guys are fortunate because it costs half of what it does here, let alone what it costs other places of the world, this trend won't change. Yeah. Right? So it really, I mean, at what point does it take for fuel to reach, I don't know, what is it? What's the breaking point? Five, six, seven dollars a gallon? Get well, people even to then, go- I mean, I, I, I saw a gas station for the first time last night in what seems like forever because, I, again, I don't go seeking yeah. them out even to use the restroom. And uh, the gas, I think, was like two seventy four per gallon um, that I saw yesterday. And I, I don't even think twice about gas anymore having gotten my Model 3. Yeah. But then I also know when I lived in California, I always knew gas was more expensive there. Uh, in Florida, I could go to Central Florida, you know, Orlando or what have you. And gas is cheaper there than it is here in South Florida. So it's going to, it's always contingent on where you live and, and all that sort of stuff and what your driving habits are. But man, even now the way that I drive, I would imagine I'd be spending probably at least 200 a month on gas oh, at yeah. least. So, and, and that's, and that was with a fuel efficient car that I had before that. 
Yeah, everything changes. Anyways, we'll keep an eye on that stuff. Well, speaking about uh, what we were just talking about, about Rivian, uh, Amazon today announced, I'll bring up the website, Jeff Bezos unveils a sweeping plan to tackle climate change for Amazon. So basically they're saying Amazon is committed to meet the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement 10 years early. As part of the plan, Amazon has agreed to purchase 100,000 electric delivery vans from vehicle manufacturer Rivian. Now, for those of you who may or may not know, uh, Amazon invested some $700 million into the Rivian Upstart company. Um, they have two products that they've announced so far, the uh, R1T and the R1S. S, thank you. Um, which are pickup trucks and an SUV, respectively, on the same platform. Very, very interesting company. Very interesting products and cars. I think this company is mm-hmm. going to do very well. They have some solid backing from Amazon. Anyways, uh, so they... Uh, yep. And Ford, of course. Uh, so they re- they showed this. This is what the delivery van is going to look like. This is what they're going to deliver uh, to Amazon. A fully electric battery EV delivery van to replace uh, some 180. I think they said they have about 180,000 um, delivery vans that they own. So they're largely going to start to get phased out uh, starting in 2021. Mm-hmm. So exciting times. And thanks to <laughs> Amazon Prime, they'll get those delivered in two days. So I agree. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, so my question is, uh, so like at what point does Amazon just buy Rivian and just call it a day? I'm, I don't, um, this is not to get political. I don't want Amazon buying everything. Um, if you, <laughs> well, if that's you, true. Yeah. If you've seen Idiocracy. It's like, you know, like one company owns pretty much. I don't want to get to that point. Um, well, President Camacho, he's a friend of yours, isn't he? I, yeah. <laughs> cut, cut from a different cloth, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, look, this, this is overwhelmingly great news uh it's good because we know that amazon you know there was all right so if you guys are not familiar earlier this year uh fedex north america and amazon basically had their parting of ways their contract sort of ended and fedex said we really just don't want to do it because the amount of traffic that amazon was giving fedex was i think like two percent of their total delivery services with amazon um so it was so small that they were like we're okay um because amazon basically is its own uh, delivery, delivery company. service. Yeah. So now with um, all the different services Amazon provides, it's sort of they need to do something like this, basically having their own fleet of vehicles. And what better way to do that if you're going to have all these cars in the road by making them an electrified market? Um, so it's good they're doing it. It's good they're doing it with a startup with Rivian. Um, I hope it's a successful venture for both parties involved. Uh, because it's going to bring jobs to market. It's going to bring, obviously, more EVs to market. Hopefully, Rivian can start doing this product. I mean, look, to say we're going to we're out the gate by 100000 something that right now is not even like on the road, that's an, that's an amazing investment uh, for them to make. And so it's uh, this is a great story uh, again. Yeah. And I think and we should give a little shout-out to the, the Amazon employees because they might have been one of the drivers behind this. Because I don't drivers. know. Drivers. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, it did so natural. I didn't even try, but you know, I'd seen one of the you know one of these employee meetings where a couple of them have stood up and you know and asked straight up to the management like, "What are you people doing about climate change?" They've been very hedgy about it. You know, they really haven't taken a stand on that. Mm-hmm. And the employees themselves have talked about staging walkouts over it and all sorts of things lately. You know, and and these are people who need you know. Um, who need to keep the job, you know, like when you're, when you're working in a position like that, 
um, it's fairly easy to replace you. This is not highly skilled labor. So you're taking a chance to stand up to a big company like that. So I have a lot of respect for the people who did Absolutely. that and yeah. put their faces in front of the microphone or, or went out publicly and said, look, you know, I don't want to work for a company that doesn't have, you know, that occupies such an important space in the economy and doesn't want to take a stand on, uh, on climate change. So kudos to them. And, and I, I also think it was necessary, Ian, in due part because of just how large Amazon's footprint is on delivery systems. And so much of what people's e-commerce nowadays is, is mostly going to be through sites like Amazon, retailers like Target, Walmart, what have you. But Amazon definitely is the large elephant in the room. They needed to do something like this. They had to, at some point, make this known because... The idea of when, when two-day shipping was introduced and people were like, oh, I can get this one thing and deliver it to my house. I order it Monday. I already have it in hand by Wednesday. That mass spread, as quickly as that virus was uh, you know, permeated, it all of a sudden caused a lot of people to go, hold on, though. People who are sort of paying attention go, well, wait a second. Isn't this an environmental concern? Because this is this, you have now all of these dr yeah. trucks all these drivers trying to deliver, you know, a pack of batteries or bottle formula or whatever the hell it is. And it's like, hold on, though. That's not a good thing. So it's good they're doing this. It's good that they're actually paying attention because if they hadn't, I'm not saying that they would have had any kind of issues dealing with customers going, well, I can't keep buying from you because people sort of rely on it nowadays anyway. Um, but it's good they're doing this. It's good they're actually trying to do their part um, before we're forced upon them. I, I like this proactive approach of just getting it done this way. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. I mean, let's not forget, too. I mean, uh, you know, we got Tesla that's working on their semi truck and they have mm -hmm. lots of back orders from, uh, you know, companies like Walmart and UPS, FedEx. You know, lots of companies uh, doing mm -hmm. that. Matter of fact, I was having that conversation with some Tesla people there, too. I said, you know, at some point, you guys are going to use, I mean, it does make sense for Tesla you know, not only to make their own car carriers, but actually buy a car carrying company and keep using those stupid gas trucks in the front, pulling them around all over the place, right? You guys are going to end up at some point, I don't know when, but when you get car deliveries, they're going to be delivered on a Tesla semi-truck pulling mm -hmm. the trailer. It just makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, all right. Moving along, the last uh, story. Well, it's not really a story. It's a, it's a really cool website um, that I want to tell you guys about. A, a friend of mine, and I mean, he prefers to remain anonymous, but... And I have to be careful how I say his Twitter handle because it could be misconstrued. This is a family. Enunciate. Or enunciate. enunciate. Yes. Thank you. Um, so it goes plurality. <laughs> plurality. So that was last week. All right. Um, he, goes, he goes by the name Mother Frunker. His website is motherfrunker.ca. Language. Go, yes. And if you put a forward slash and type in APP, oh, my God. There's magic in these hills. Look at this. Um, I got the website. You can pull this up inside the new Chromium browser inside a Model S or X or a Model 3 that has the new um, Intel-based CPU. And he has built a little web app that has all kinds of stuff in here. It has maps. It has some games, a calculator, all kinds of stuff. But look at the list of games. Let me show you this. 
I know you guys can't see it right here, but he has Diablo in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah, can play the shareware version of Diablo right on the screen with sound and everything. Yeah, even Elon was tripping on that one. Yeah, he yeah. And apparently his bandwidth now is just getting murdered. Uh, yes, but look at this. <laughs> I can actually play this game right in the web browser. So, anyways, he has checkers. I mean, these uh, I don't know how many games he's got in here. He's got a whole bunch of them. He's these are all shareware things. I was playing solitaire. Look at this. You can play solitaire in here. This is so cool. So, oh, you know, Tesla, Tesla is. Um, certainly building some cool games into their cars right now. But if you want more, this is the place to go. Totally free. Doesn't cost anything. So anyways, I'll put a link down in the video in the podcast description. Definitely check it out. Again, motherfrunker.ca forward slash app for app and and play around. Really cool. So kudos, man, for doing this. This is, this is really slick. Um, I would suspect we'll probably see more of this kind of stuff popping up because, you know, uh, people like to copy stuff. So anyways, yeah, the calculator. Oh my God, a calculator. Like, come on. I mean, <laughs> how useful is this? There's times I have to use my phone. Oh, and the calculator actually works. I love it. It's great. That's amazing. Totally cool. Oh, developers. Oh, developers. Developers, so developers, one, developers. One developers. story that is not on our rundown for tonight that I know is talked about today was the IIHS report that came out today. For yes. the monster crash test. Yes, and, and I apologize. I didn't put it on the show notes, but let's talk about this because uh, they did a live stream and it was on Facebook of all places, but sadly. But anyways, um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Tesla has earned a top-notch safety rating from the IIHS. I'll bring up a uh, screenshot here, what they did. So uh, crashworthiness, good across the board. Headlights, good. Front crash prevention, superior. So uh, they got the nod. They also did, uh, in the live stream, I was watching it today, they had a um, uh, Audi e-tron, they had the Model 3, they had a Chevy Bolt, and a Hyundai, and I forget the name of the car. Anyways, th they all passed. Um, the Bolt had some issues, of course, but it still, you know, didn't get the highest recommendation, but it was certainly there. Anyways, the Tesla certainly got praises um, on this, so absolutely still the, the, the safest car you can buy on the market. If that's uh, if that's your kind of thing. So, anyways, the, the bottom line here is that the IIHS does different tests than NHTSA does. So this is an independent organization. So, uh, look, they pass the flying colors both with NHTSA and the IIHS. So, yeah, what more can you say? Hooray! Yeah. High praise indeed. High praise indeed. Yes. All right. Well, it's that time of the show where we get to answer viewer and listener questions. Um, as always, if you want to participate in this, look for the tweet, usually the day we record on Thursdays. So follow my Twitter feed, um, and I will put out, we, we do it on a Google form so you can fill in. So any, uh, any questions you have, you can send them in, and we will try to answer them as best we can on the show. So having said that, let's start with the first question. This one comes from Lars, our friend's... <laughs> Our friend Lars, who Tesla runs the Tesla, yes, uh, the Tesla Paratodos uh, YouTube channel. He says, uh, tire questions for the sad Bulgarian. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he's a funny guy. Thanks, Lars, for sending in the question. Anyways, he says, yes. uh, he says, my P3D needs a new set of tires. I was thinking about uh, some that might be a little more long-lived than the Michelin Sports. Any recommendations? Um, if I select a non-Tesla tire without the sound dampening phone, will that significantly impact noise level? Also, bring your errors to Europe. Saludos from Spain. All right. Well, Lars, um, a couple of things to unpack in that. Um, in terms of the tread wear 
on the OEM tires, as far as a, a true UHP summer tire goes, the, the factory Michelin Pilot Sport 4Ss are actually pretty reasonable. They're one of the longer wearing tires. Pretty much everything in that size, the 235 um, R20 that comes on the performance car, is going to be a strict UHP summer tire. And it's going to have a treadwear rating somewhere in the 280 to 300 range, like the tires you have now. But not all 300 treadwears are created equal. What we've seen over the years is, you know, companies give those ratings themselves. They they, they self-test, they self-certify for the treadwear. And they some of them cheat a little bit, I don't want to say. But, you know, I've seen some 300 treadwears that go longer than others. So as a general rule, my experience so far with that size is um, for, for that tire, it actually has pretty decent treadwear. Having said that... It is a true summer UHP tire. It's not going to, you know, deliver eighty thousand miles. You're never going to get even half that. So if you want something that wears longer, you're going to have to go out of the category. And nowadays, that means typically going to an all-season UHP tire. And I know that bothers a lot of people. It's like, well, I don't want an all-season tire, especially if you live in Spain. You know, how do you really need the cold weather performance? Maybe the rain is nice to have. You know, especially in the cooler seasons. But um, that's generally how these things get married. They assume if you want a more touring-oriented tire, you want it to handle different weather conditions, and it's going to be packaged with a longer treadwear. However, Michelin happens to make a really great tire in that same size that does exactly what I just described, and that would be the Pilot Sport AS3 or 3 Plus, depending on your market. I don't know which one they have in Europe. But that's available in your same size, and that takes you from a 300 treadwear to a 500 treadwear. So whatever mileage you got with the Pilot um, Sport 4S, you should see um, somewhere around a good 35, almost 40% boost in your mileage uh, that you'll get out of the set going to the uh, the AS. Now, the downside, yeah, you're not going to be able to go as hard at it. You know, Certainly, I wouldn't go on the track with uh, with the all-season tire, not not full bore anyway. But for spirited driving, they're just fine. I mean, I've driven on that tire, and, you know, for just goofing around and having fun day-to-day, -day, even on twisty roads, they work great. At the, at the limit, you know, the OE tire is going to be stickier, but, you know, if you're willing to give that little trade-off to get that extra treadwear, then uh, I would strongly recommend, because that's really the only one out there that has that high a treadwear. Nobody else so far makes um, a really high mileage or close to that mileage replacement for the performance OEM size. Um, and thank you for the, the the request for the arrows in Europe. I'm getting tons of requests. I've told this to our marketing department. It's like, boys, we've got to figure out a way to get to Europe. So don't <laughs> worry, we're pedaling as hard as we can. I mean, we're, we're just trying to figure out a better way to solve the demand in America let alone the uh, mm. Europe. But thank you so much for all the positive comments that have been flooding in, you know. And Well, if you're using a paddle boat to get there, that's why it's taking you so long. You can only pedal so fast in the vast ocean. You might want to try to fly them over or something. No, man. We want we want to go green on this project. Green all the way. Yeah. Well, there have you go, a, Lars. Have, have Greta and her people. They got, a, they got a boat right now. We can probably just I'll, put I'll, them on there. Chip. That's back with Greta. That's it. I'll, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll PM her. Thanks for the question, Lars. Uh, the tire man has spoken. How, how do you say that in Spanish? Oh, one last thing that I missed. Sorry, not that I couldn't make this any longer, but Lars, uh, uh, <laughs> oh. what about the tire sound foam? The, the, oh yes, yes, yes. That was the other part. There is none in the uh, in the P3D tire and that 20 inch Michelin Pilot Sport 4S. There is no damping uh, foam, sound damping foam. That's only in the 18 inch um, Michelin and the 19 the Continentals. Yep. Oh well, there you go. Well, there you go, Lars. Um, Next question comes from Richard. He says, I'm on a limited budget. Would you choose PPF, paint protection film, or ceramic coating? Oh, boy. 
Um, we've answered this one many times. <laughs> um, it, look, the different, and I think there's probably still some confusion out there with people as far as what does what. Pain protection film is a physical barrier that prevents prevents helps reduce the amount of rock chips that will potentially damage your paint or the underlying plastic it doesn't necessarily remove all possibilities so and there's different levels of paint protection there's different thicknesses there's three mil five mil seven eight mil um, different types of finishes you can gloss you can get matte matter of fact i, I actually went to see my friend fabian um, this past uh, weekend and we did another video that i released today just to get caught up with him to see what's going on in the paint and the uh, paint protection in the ceramic coating business because things change all the time so i was just curious and uh, yes so things are definitely changing on that on that front um so if you're looking for physical protection against your paint, you want to keep it looking new as long as possible, uh, paint protection film is your solution. At the very minimum, I recommend most people do at least a partial front or a full frontal. So that means, you know, the fascia, the headlights, the hood, the fenders, and the mirrors. Um, some people will do the whole fenders. Some people only do half a fender, eh, whatever you like. Um, some people go hog wild, do the whole car. Um, that's even better if you if you want to do that. Now, ceramic coating, on the other hand, is like a, think of it like a glass clear coat for your clear coat. It doesn't protect the paint because paint, you know, you have primer, you have paint, and then you have a, a clear coat, and then a ceramic coat is on top of that. Ceramic coats come in a variety of different warranty ranges. So some of them are just one year, some of them could be up to five years. Um, now, how they do the warranty thing is that the once a year, typically you bring your car into the detailer, they do what's called a, uh, a control wash or decontamination wash, and they will put a uh, what's called a top coat on top of it. The top coat is actually the sacrificial layer that, so the <laughs> typically the way they do it, they do one to two or sometimes three coats of ceramic on there, and there's different different levels on there. So you have the ceramic coat and they put a top coat on top. The top coat is the sacrificial layer that's designed to shed as the product ages. And that's what gets replaced on a yearly basis, depending on what warranty you have. Anyways, the bottom line, paint protection film protects your paint against physical debris. A ceramic coating on their hand, basically, in my opinion, just makes the car easier to wash. So if you want to go more ecological in your car, you'll want to don't wash it with, you know, the big spray hoses and the other stuff. Maybe you just want to use a two-bucket method or uh, some Optimum no-rinse or O&R in a, in a uh, waterless wash. A ceramic coat will make your life easier. So if you have a limited budget, you kind of have to pick one or the other. You, gotta, you can't have both. You can have both, but you got to pay for it. So I hope that helps. Um, either of any of you guys done? I know, Ian, you're looking at doing, what, at least a ceramic coat? Well, I'm going to do both. I'm going to do a yeah, PFF okay. on the whole front clip um, because Quebec and stone chips in the winter and in and just general winter hell. Uh, and then the rest of the car I'm going to do in ceramic. And I'm going to do I'm going to do a DIY because I don't mind doing the work. I find it very okay. therapeutic. And uh, it's not that much more complicated. You know, you have to just be careful with your timing, applying it. You can only do like little 15 minute sections at a time. But it's if you know, if you've done your own buffing and waxing, it's not it's not that horrible to do. So I'm, I'm going to give it a shot and yeah. see how it goes. Make sure so, you clay, do a clay bar yeah. to your car. Get all those decontaminants off. Part yep. of the reason, I'll be honest, the part of part of the reason the pros charge what they do for these things, because let's face it, when you get a pro to do it, these things aren't cheap. Typically with a ceramic coating or a PPF, there's generally some paint correction involved. Paint correction is the process that they do to do a complete decontamination, a clay bar, uh, polishing, all that other stuff, because if, if you have flaws in your paint before you apply these things, it's just going to accentuate it. 
that process, and I've seen it done, is very, very labor-intensive. So is applying PPF. Ceramic, not so much, but PPF is super labor-intensive. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not cheap. You can do it yourself, but you can tell a bad job from a pro job. Let's just put it that way. No, um, huge, huge props to people who can do that properly. Oh, yeah. I, I, like I said, I've done some vinyl coating mm -hmm. on various parts of the car. And let me tell you, that, that, takes, that takes, I mean, yeah, huge props for people that do that professionally. Uh, it takes real skill and knowledge to do that stuff. All right, I hope that answers your question, Richard. We have to move on here. Next question comes from Jerry. says, uh, what do we know about Model Y and air suspension? Crickets. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I got to think hopefully they're going to do it because it was a popular, you know, it's a popular option for the S and the Y. Well, isn't air, suspension, isn't air suspension off the table for Model 3? Mm-hmm. I say no. I, I think we debated this the last time it came yes, up. Yes, we have. Yeah, <laughs> we're all of a different opinion on this. And and Elon's answer to me was not definitive. I think Eric thinks that the coffin has been nailed shut and 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 put in the vault. Uh, I I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Uh, it, it, it remains to be seen. But I don't think there's. Anything I would to I would be so hard pressed to believe with this many Model Threes that are, have been in production that are on the road today. They're all of a sudden going to go. You know what? A year from now, let's add this new this new little thing. When when it could complicate production. Because when the air suspension systems first came out in SNX, man, were there problems. There were, there were some people who had some issues with their suspension. So to me, if you have a very seamless and fluid production, you finally got the kinks out of your production line with Model 3, why introduce another potential issue? Because, I mean, what, half a million cars are on the road from Tesla? Like, we don't need all of a sudden... You know, let's add this thing. If they do it for Model Y from the very beginning and they figure it out and it works great and the car being higher off the ground is it's more effective, mm -hmm. I'm all fine with that. But I think to introduce it now to the Model 3, I mean, again, that that's that that door is closed a long time ago, I think. Well, I'm with you on that. I think there's a much higher mm -hmm. probability that it would start with the Y because from my calculations, the uh, certainly the front steering knuckle, which is an integral component of all that, is going to have to be different on the Y. There's no physical way yeah. that it can fit the um, the tire sizes that we saw on the um, on the Alpha car that was at the uh, at the launch in the spring. Mm -hmm. So already we know that parts of the suspension are going to be different. Certainly the spring rates and shock rates and all that stuff are going to be different as well. So it, the minute they have it and start making unique parts for the chassis, <laughs> that opens the door to them being able to do it for that one. It would mm -hmm. mean to me it would be meaningless if they made it for the Y. It doesn't mean that the, the three is going to get it. Maybe the controllers, you know, all the stuff, the hardware associated with the system would be, you know, obviously common to both cars. So that makes it a little easier to believe that the three would get it at some point. But yeah, initially, if anything gets it, it would be the Y and not the three. Yeah. If, I, mean, if, 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 I was going to say, sorry, Trevor, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if anybody asks while we're on the subject, the Model Y has pretty much been confirmed to have a power lift gate. I know that's a popular option that people want to add to the Model 3s right now. There's several kits available on the market, but from the factory, it's supposed to have that. So go ahead, Eric, you're saying something? No, I was going to say, it's, it'd be interesting if there was like a refresh of sorts down the line and maybe they introduce a variant that has it. Um, but we, we've seen how many Model 3 changes in the last couple of years. Well, they've changed a lot of parts on the car. Well, and yeah. I mean, and, and look, it's not it's, sitting still. I mean, the seats have been changed. I mean, there's, there's little changes that haven't been so significant that people all of a sudden go looks at the left at one car and the right at the other one and go, well, these aren't the same car. I mean, there's there's minute changes not, that you have to really kind of be attentive to to find it. Um, but I think, you know, again, this long-awaited change for the SNX with new battery packs and a new interior and yada, yada, yada. 
who knows when that's going to happen. I mean, there's been the Raven refresh that came out spring of this year, uh, and that was sort of a slight change because that made the trunk uh, well for, you know, the Model X, for example, a little smaller. But there wasn't like any major change between, you know, one to the next. So if you just see the Model X as a, a Raven and one that is, and I go, okay, what's the difference between them? You'd be like, you they look tell. the same. Right. You really can't tell. Um, so again, there may, there may, may maybe, I mean, I'll, I'll grant Ian that. If there is a, like a refresh of sorts with the three, say two years from now, after like, uh, Model Y and and the Roadster are kind of well into their productions. Eh, we'll see about that. But I think for right now, I don't see any changes in the foreseeable future with the Model 3. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I hope that answers your question, Jerry. Let's move on. Uh, next one comes from David. He says, how does the SR Plus, Standard Range Plus Model 3, supercharge compared to the Long Range Supercharger 2 and 3? Well, I can't tell you because none of us have uh, standard range Model 3s, although I did watch a video from um, Eric and Dave who run the Tesla Inventory YouTube channel. They just bought a brand new uh, standard range Model 3 and they took it, they picked it up in Kansas and drove it back to um, Colorado where they live and they did a 600 mile road trip and my take from that is that it charges a little slower, less cells in this car. Mm -hmm. So... How it does on on supercharger V3, nobody knows at this point because I don't literally don't know anybody who's plugged into a V3 supercharger. They're very few far between at this right. point. So it does charge a little slower, not noticeably where you know it's going to make that much of a difference. It will do V3. It's just that you know, are you going to get 200 kilowatts out of the deal? Don't know yet. All right, moving along. Uh, Jeremy, um, I'm going to assume he's in Europe here because he's asking about FSD doesn't work in Europe pricing. We know there are a lot of problems with FSD. Well, not FSD. I'm talking about autopilot at this point. In Europe, not all the features are active. They're still having some issues. There's a lot of regulatory problems mm-hmm. or differences in Europe compared to North America. Um, here in Canada, we follow about 95% of NHTSA rules. Um, not always on day one. Sometimes they're delayed a little bit. But in Europe, it's a different kettle uh, a fish. I don't know exactly what's going on over there. Pricing, if you want to know about FSD, well, you, you got to go to your Tesla account. So if you bought a car, go into your Tesla account. If you haven't purchased it, it'll be on your list of things that you can buy as a, as a separate add-on. So you got to click manage, look at your car's option. If you haven't bought FSD, there'll be a box on there where you can add it. So it's localized, whatever country you happen to be in, that'll be your price. Um, Tesla did say that they were going to impre- increase the price of FSD but only when V10 comes out. looks like they were waiting on this enhanced summon because that's one of the biggest features that's going to be a hallmark of FSD. So they said that they are not going to increase the price until V10 comes out. Now that it's in beta, it's just a matter of weeks before we see that. So if you're on the fence uh, and that's something you want, maybe you want to buy it now before the price goes up. I do want to add this one thing about uh, full self-driving. And this is something Elon talked about uh, in some tweet storm some months ago which is what the FSD team has been confronted with uh, when trying to get FSD to work globally, which is the roads are different everywhere. So a lot of mileage and a lot of the data that they've been using to get the software um, off the ground is because a lot of it's been here in North America, especially here in the United States. That's where most of the autopilot mileage and data came from when all the S's and X's had FSD before 3 was rolled out. So you get all that data that's for mostly American roads. Uh, you then start going uh, online in Europe with certain markets and whatnot. And so the data is coming in, but your team is trying to work all that out. You know, how signage is, how the roads are paved, uh, you know, mountains versus cities and all these different things that are sort of uh, all, uh, all different. 
and then trying to get that to work. So it's understandable if they're saying, look, we've got more mileage and more data in the North American market than we did the European market. So it could make sense. They're going to, okay, we're, we're sort of like fine tuning now FSD for rollout in V10 here in the US. Other markets are going to, have to wait a little bit longer because they probably just have more, they want to get more information for the computers to be able to render the stuff correctly. Um, that's just a postulation. I have no other uh, information to suggest so, but I know Elon's mentioned that this is sometimes some of the difficulties they've had, which is just trying to navigate every kind of terrain that they're dealing with uh, around the world. Um, if you're interested in FSD and what's going on in V10 software, we have a whole thread going on on the forum. If you could just go into Tesla software, you'll see it's right pinned to the top. Uh, we, we actually track the firmware updates and the changes, and we have discussions on there. So you'll see, um, you know, we'll label, if something's in beta, we label it with beta. If it's current, we label it as current. So you'll be able to tell exactly what's going on. So if you have any questions about that kind of stuff, you want to follow along, I encourage you just hop onto the forum at teslaownersonline.com and then just follow along some of the uh, the uh, threads that we have going on uh, regarding autopilot. All right, next question comes from Fred. He says, what's the relationship between the predicted range of the battery percent and the projected range as shown in the energy graph? Which one should we have more confidence with? Um, I'm going to assume he's talking about bringing up the the, the, the energy graph, mm -hmm. the large one. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it does the line, but only, of course, again, this only works when you have a destination typed into your navigation system. So the relationship, as far as I've understand it, and the way that I look at it is the system will make a prediction. That's the gray line between where you're starting at and where you're going at. The green line represents your actual, what you're actually doing at this point. And those, those, and that green line takes several factors in, into consideration, how you're driving, different conditions, um, air air conditioning, heating, all those kind of things. So it's making an assumption. We think you're going to reach this, but right now you're doing that. If you want to gamify it, turn down the air <laughs> turn down the air conditioner, slow down a little bit, get that grain. It will change. I've seen it change yeah. over time. Mm -hmm. I've gone on trips before. I'm sorry, I'm going to get this screened up over here. I, I've done trips before where, you know, it says I'm going to reach my destination with 13%, and I'm like, no, I feel that's a little too low, so I slow down a little bit, and that, I I play a game with it. I get it back up and stuff. So that that's really the relationship, as far as I understand it, and that's the way I kind of read it. I find that energy graph to be um, very useful when you go on long distance trips, um, especially when you have to supercharge, and you're especially in the winter months. In the summer months, a less of, less of a problem, but in the winter months, when you're consuming more energy. Um, it's nice to, to see exactly what's going on in the car. And you can make a decision at that point where they need to slow down or, or make some changes. Your thoughts? What, what do you guys think? That's exactly right. That thing is way more useful uh, than what, you know, because the the projected mileage that you're seeing, you know, at the little battery indicator at the top of the screen that you see every day is really just an assumption based on the car's normal amount of range. It will vary slightly depending on, you know, the condition of the battery, but mm -hmm. that doesn't really move around very much based on your driving pattern. And it doesn't really seem to move much at all based on what's going on during your trip. But the energy graph is amazingly accurate. That thing has saved my life. I don't know how many times, especially on the marathon down to Florida and back, you know, we're coming back where Brad and I were like climbing up these long hills in the freezing cold <laughs> and it's like it says you're going to arrive at one percent hmm maybe we want to back it off a notch you know yeah. like so but yeah I, I find it super accurate super useful and exactly like you said trev you can you can game it so you know if you want to gain more mileage or or if, if you feel like hey 
I'm going to come in with 5%. No, I can blow that last 4%. Let's go in with one. You I know, found like myself can, doing that. If I was on, yeah, yeah, I found myself doing that if I was on a long trip and I'm just kind of taking it yeah. easy because yeah. in a Model X, I mean, it uses more energy than anything else. And I'm like, okay, it's saying I'm at 20% and stuff and it's getting down to 15. And I know I have the supercharger made. At that point, well, you know, I'll just put the pedal go to the metal a little bit. Right? Go, yeah, exactly. go ahead. Go ahead. You know. So, uh, yeah. Anyways. I hope that helps. Uh, moving along, last question of the evening comes from Mark. He says, uh, did we get the feature for text on screen, texting, I'm assuming, in V10 like Elon promised? Um, again, V10 is currently in beta stages uh, right now. I'm going to move this around. Um, it's currently in beta, and my understanding is the text to the texting feature is not in this release yet. Again, they will probably do several iterations. Elon has said they are very... Uh, they're hoping to follow up with a, a 10.1 soon after. So again, some of the features may not make it in the initial release at first. So expect subsequent point releases to add some of those features. Again, version nine that we know today is not it wasn't fully baked when it first came out. We had a lot of you know dot point releases. So version 10, largely the same thing. I'm I'm sure internally they have a priority list as to what they want to put into this thing and. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that's coming in V10, especially in the media side of things. Um, they're making a lot of effort in, in that in that area. I mean, the Netflix thing is awesome. Um, YouTube videos work. Um, I had somebody report because I checked in uh, the iTunes uh, the, the te uh, Tesla Apple's beta version of iTunes in the cloud. You used to be able to bring it up in Chromium, but because audio was not never enabled, you can never hear anything. Now it works. So. Yeah, uh, there's going to be some really killer stuff coming out that, that way. So anyways, don't. I, yes, the texting thing is going to happen. It's just we don't know exactly as, as to where in the timeline it's going to be, whether it's on day one or a subsequent point release. I have a, I have a quick thing I wanted to, to state here. So there's been some online conversations today about a story that was released uh, on a site that shall not be named. Um, but the contents of the video that were talked about in the story yes. were... Yes an early adopter, uh, some part of the early access program. So when we say EAP, it's either going to be early access program or it's enhanced autopilot. Um, but this uh, particular person who's in the early access program uh, recorded the video of them driving in California uh, on three different LA freeways, going on-ramp, on-ramp, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it was advertised as, look how awesome this is. There's no human driver intervention. The problem is the person but, cheated the system. Yes. Um, and I, and I want to just point, I just want to say this as a point of personal preference. Don't ever, ever, ever cheat the damn systems. Okay. Please. When you have the IIHS coming out today, which is a great story in its own right and should have gotten a lot more coverage. That, and again, this is just Tesla's main focus. Their number one priority has always been since day one to produce the safest cars on the road they can possibly make, okay? So when you get the story coming out today that Model 3 basically just passed with flying colors every test they could throw at it, and it got the highest rating possible, and then you got this dingling, you know, trying to prove that, look what I can do. I can drive the car. But putting He put a weight on the Guys, this has been done before. Don't do it. Just don't don't be that person who's going to get behind these cars. If you have early access, test the vehicle the way they want you to do it as part of the damn program. Okay? Drive the car. Actually, hands on the wheel, always drive the car. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you're in an early access program, 
there are bugs in that damn software. And if that person's not paying attention because he wants to make some viral video on YouTube, I'm going to tell you something. The first accident that happens because of some dingling like this who tries to pull some kind of a stunt, now what? Because now, you, first of all, you're working on video. Nice job, genius. And number two, it's a liability for Tesla and for you. Just don't do it. And if you want to talk about the story, you want to retweet it, you want to comment, that's all fine and good. You're free to do what you want. I'm just telling you, I don't want to be a part of that story. I don't care what happens long-term with that story, whether it actually goes viral or not. I'm just telling you, if you are ever in an electric car, if you're ever in a Tesla, hell, if you're in any damn car, pay attention, be a vigilant driver, hands on the wheel, attention at all times. Don't be texting your phone. Don't be, you know, just focus, okay? Because I'm telling you, it's th th these kind of stories, people are like, oh, it's clickbait. It's Yes, it is. Don't bother doing it. Just know it's wrong and just move on. Here's the thing. I know it's fun to make videos like this. I know that it gets clicks, goes viral, whatever the case may be. But the thing is, it's just like Eric said, if you get into an accident and this was the cause, um, you like autopilot? Treat it with respect. Use it as properly because otherwise the regulator is going to take it away from us. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. You're going to be an idiot. They're going to take it away. So... I mean, you want the car to do what it's designed to do. And there was one um, video I saw recently where a person tested uh, just to show people like what autopilot does if you were to fall asleep. So he's, he's got cameras all over the car. He's, you know, he's sitting in the driver's seat and he just kind of fake nods off. And then the yeah, car- Yeah, Jesse you know, from now, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so it has the alert and eventually pulls. So like, and, and, and even then, you're, if you're on a public street, it's not a controlled environment. You want to do it on a test track, like uh, our, my co-host here recently did with their uh, tire runs. <laughs> Yeah. That's fine. You you, you want to do it in a controlled environment? I'm all for that. An empty, vacant parking lot at some football stadium? Knock yourself out. But when you're on, when you're sharing the road with other drivers, you're not just endangering yourself, you're endangering them. And if I'm ever on the road, I've seen other Tesla owners who are literally driving down the highway, no hands on the wheel, and I just give them that stink eye look. Like, you're making all of us look bad. Yeah, like, well. don't do that. Just, even if you have one hand, just sort of like, eh, casually rested. Just look like, like, come on. Like, what? just, ugh. It was, it's just, I saw that today in, in on Twitter, and I'm like, and Bonnie was right. Like, she was one of those yeah. who said, I'm not, I'm not going to play a part. I'm not going to play a role in this. And it's it's very disingenuous. It's, it is clickbait. It's all for getting eyes on stories. And honestly, if I'm the person who wrote the story, and again, I'm not begrudging it. I get it. In this era of, of online news, everything sort of seems like a story. My overall thing is it's okay to have one less story on your site today. It's okay to have one less story. You don't have to be the first person to talk about it because you're also giving that video creator more eyes on something that should never have been created in the first place. Because that, to me, violates the whole point of having EAP. The purpose of it is that you actually get real data back to Tesla. If you're going to cheat the system, you're cheating everything they're trying to do, and they get less actual valid data, which actually could cause more problems when it does roll out because, haha, they didn't actually test for everything. Way to go, genius. Same thing goes for battery fires. Stop reporting them. We don't need to know about them. All right. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for that rant, Eric. We can always count on you for doing those kind of things. They're always fun. <laughs> Hey, listen, since you're on the uh, on the screen, what are, uh, where can people find you if they want to have a chat with you? Plug whatever you want. Sure. Um, you guys can find me on, uh, there's a social media site. It's not that new called Twitter. 
I'm not sure if you've heard of it. I'm not sure if you ever use it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. The handle is ECFIX. That is E-C-F-I-X. I believe, last I checked, I'm like this close to 1,000 followers. <gasps> uh, so I know it's it's Put the crazy. man over. Let's put the man over. Let's, okay, let's, let's do that. Um, let's if, follow you, him, please. if you do become a 1,000th follower, uh, there's a free hug waiting for you if I were to see you at uh, <laughs> a special event next year, which will be more details on that coming up in, uh, later on this fall. Um also wanted to give a, a quick shout out on to everyone who's on social media who is either following Tesla, owns a Tesla, is interested about Tesla. Every time you're out there talking about um, Tesla, the EV market, the Porsche Taycan, all this stuff, if you're out there supporting Tesla and other manufacturers, embracing this transition to electrifying our vehicles, you're doing the world a favor. So thank you to those of you who are supportive of companies not named Tesla for trying to do their parts also go electric because every vehicle matters at this point that's trying to become electric. So thank you to all of you. Don't hate. Don't hate. Yeah. All right, Ian, it's your turn. Where do you want to plug? Where can people find you? Well, actually, I'm going to go for a little special one this time. And thank huh? you, Eric, for giving a perfect segue about spreading the EV love. Because um, this Saturday, I'm going to be at um, probably the biggest... Um, Drive Electric Week event that's happening in Quebec, and it's AVEC, the Association des Véhicules Électriques de Québec, that's putting on um, their big festival, Roulant Électrique. So there's going to be hundreds of uh, EVs on nice. display. You can come down. You can try any EV imaginable. Where are they holding the that again? It's going to be at the Centre de la Nature in Laval. Centre okay. de Nature. Can you spell them, please? <laughs> Centre, C-E-N-T-R-E. I'm sure Trevor will put a link to it. Yes, absolutely. So yes, look at the uh, the show notes. You'll see the the link to the event. But yeah, I'm going to be there uh, all day. I'm actually going to be in the booth with Irasin. And I just love this story. These are the guys that I was with last year who uh, actually run a GM dealership uh, on the South Shore area of Montreal. And they've now started an EV division, which sells all kinds of EVs. And there's a number of dealers now in Quebec who started this trend where they're actually buying brand new inventory vehicles from Tesla, bringing them and selling them independently at their own lot for a slight premium. But one of the advantages of this system is you can bring your car, get a full trade in on it, and also um, pay the tax difference. So you can do what they call a vente d'accommodation in Quebec, where yeah. basically the you only pay the tax difference between the two vehicles, something that Tesla generally doesn't do. So there's a lot of advantages of yeah. buying a car. This way. So a few dealers now in Quebec, uh, Irasin is one of them. So they've invited me to uh, go into their booth uh, with Magneto. We'll be sitting there all day talking about it. They're also gonna have a second Model 3 that you can test drive. And of course, the whole Quebec uh, membership, well, the local Montreal uh, members of AVEC are going to be there with a whole fleet of vehicles that you can come down. They're free to try, you know, spend the day, drive all these different EVs. There's all sorts of different displays, different vendors. It's it's a fantastic event for this. So uh, please check the show notes and uh, I'll, I'll retweet it uh, tonight and tomorrow. So if you're on my Twitter feed, at uh, Ian Pavelko, you can pick up some of the details there. And uh, I'd love to meet uh, as many people as I can tomorrow from uh, the wide world of Tesla owners online out there. And the yeah, weather looks promising for this weekend? Beautiful. Yeah, we're, we're, we're expecting almost 80 degrees and sunshine the whole day. This is Wonderful. some of the this is some of the nicest time to be up here. This, the, the fall is beautiful. It is. Very much and so. uh, as always, Ian's uh, uh, Evolve Wear will be in the uh, video and the podcast uh, description. So if you want to buy one of his t-shirts and stuff, help yourself. The link will be there. 
Thank um, you, last but not least, I guess I'm the last guy out here. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. The handle's Model3Owners. Don't forget to check out the forum at teslaownersonline.com. Very active there. Lots of things. We're about to cross 40,000 members. It's, it's, hey. it's still growing like crazy. So, yes, we're getting lots of people on there. Um, all kinds of new things are happening on there. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I just want to say thank you for everybody for writing in and uh, supporting us, no matter where you happen to be. And we will catch you on the next show. Thanks for listening and watching, no matter where you happen to be. See you, guys. Vote Canada. Get out there and vote, Canada. That's true. Or, yep. Bye, right. Tom. <laughs> See you, guys. <laughs>